chapter 5. That was for all two country music fans in the audience today. Like for the last decade, my closest friends are big country music fans and are trying to convert me. So for those of you that are, I'm trying. I'm slowly trying. So, uh, hey, we uh, are coming off of Easter and a couple months ago, my friend Steve Weens, pastor up in the cities, we were sitting and talking about what do you do to follow up Easter? Uh, there were over 1,200 people here last Sunday. We had an amazing, amazing day. Uh, people got to hear the good news that there's a living God that loves them. So how do we follow up this hope and this celebration and yet speak honestly that um, taking that belief and applying it to life is sometimes challenging? And uh, so Steve and I sort of came up with the idea that we would do a series looking at family, marriage, growing up, and just be honest and say it's tough, right? If we're super, super honest at the end of the day, when we look at the topic of marriage, which I'm going to talk about this morning, Partly the reason I'm going to talk about it because I have a perfect marriage. And uh, <laughs> Stacy's not here this morning. Our, our younger daughter's sick, so I can make up a lot of stories to make her look bad. This is going to be great. Um, Steve's going to talk about parenting next week and just have some great insights into naming. It's tough. And yet we try to put on this facade. This, it's, it's, it's all good. And, and um, I think part of being people who follow the risen Jesus is we're honest. And then the third week on May 11th, Mother's Day, we are going to have Next Gen Sunday here and we are going to look at the reality that it's hard to grow up. And so how do we help our teens and kids grow up as they seek to follow Jesus Christ? Before we jump into Ephesians 5, let me pray. God, I pray that you would take your word this morning. This one verse, but yet a big thought. I pray that you would take it. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Spirit, that you would speak truth. In your name, amen. So Ephesians 5.21, and uh, I can preach on this today because I cleaned all three bathrooms at our house yesterday, so we're good to go on marriage. Verse 21 says this, it is, it is one of the most challenging verses in all of Scripture, okay? Ephesians 5.21, and further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, and further submit one another out of reverence for Christ. I don't know about you, but I'm guessing most of us, when we hear the word submit, uh, different ideas go off in our heads. And so I, I grew up with this idea, I grew up in a pretty conservative setting, but I grew up with this idea that when I heard the word submit, what that said is one day I would find the perfect submissive wife. <laughs> oh, I wish Stacy were here. And, uh, I would find that and it would be good. She, her life goal, a perfect submissive wife, her life goal would be to make me happy. And it would be awesome. It would be joy-filled. And at the end of the day, what I found is that is a horrible way to enter into marriage. And when you hear the word submit, some of you have different ideas. Some of, some of you have sort of negative, uh, I don't, you know, I grew up in this place where it was like a power over type of thing. I don't like it. Some of you have never heard the word and you're fine with it. So we want to dig in to what scripture says about submitting to one another. And the reason it's so important, because what follows this in the next couple chapters are teaching about marriage, teaching about slave master or workplace relationships teaching about what it means to be a parent. It all starts 
with verse 21. In some of your Bibles, verse 21 is sort of above the heading on marriage. It is meant to go in the, in the grammar. It goes, it leads into verse 22. It's so important to understand that because if we are going to live in the reality that relationships are hard and have good, healthy, joy-filled relationships, especially marriage, we're going to focus on marriage this morning, we have to understand what it means to submit to one another. So let's start that word. The word submit, and it literally means to be subject to. If you're in the first century and you heard this word, the word would have brought to mind relating to Caesar, this royal understanding that you are subject to Caesar, right? That's who you truly submit, submit to. A citizen was subject to the king, and that king was Caesar. Some may have heard it as a, a slave being subject to the master, but, but there was this sort of royal, almost divine, I am subject to something that is greater than me. It's almost like if the president were to come through our town and um, the streets would be lined up with people just wanting to get a glimpse, wanting to see and peering in because their idea is there is something special about that dignitary, about a president, about a king. What Paul does, he begins to turn this on its head. And I think what Jesus had done is turning it on its head. He said, I want you to view each other in the same way you view the king. That you see a sense of divine, a sense of royal in those around you. Be subject simply means to see the image of God in the other person. That you would see how they are made and wired. It's a verb. There's action to this. It's not just seeing it. There's going to have to be some action. So if we keep going on in the sentence, submit, and here's where it gets really hard. Submit to one another. Submit to one another. Paul's talking to an early community there in Ephesus and saying this is what your relational world should look like. We're going to talk mainly about marriage, but submit to one another. Your marriage, your work, your parenting. What does it mean to be a community of faith? I think to even begin to talk about that, submitting to one another, because it's so hard. If we're going to even talk about it, we've got to break down some of the places where we're broken in pursuing this. And this, I'll, I'll own, to this, own into this, this might just be me. Maybe I'm just sort of sharing my heart with you. My guess is it might be some of you as well. But it's hard to submit to, to one another because we tend to go to places of brokenness. So here's three of them. Um, and once again, these are just my sins. They're not yours. I have a hard time submitting because I tend to try and fix, Right? Think about your marriage. Think about how you view the other person. For some reason, I grew up with this idea as I viewed myself that my life's journey with my being was to fix all my weaknesses. I would, I would find where I'm weak and I would work on it and work on it and work on this. In my mid-30s, I found this tool that a lot of you probably found well before that called Strength Finders. And Strength Finders turned everything on its head for me. To say, you have certain strengths, focus on those. But here's the challenge. I still try to fix my wife all the time. And no nudging right now, because I know none of you struggle with this. I see her as a project that I need to fix to sort of make me happy, if I'm really honest, right? And it never, never helps the relationship. 
Because usually the fixing is my perception of what I want her to be. And sometimes my perception of what I want her to be is sort of me thinking that what, what God wants her to be as well. And it misses seeing the divine image in the other person. Another issue that I think gets in the way is competing. Uh, once again, your marriages are probably not like this, but my wife and I are both competitors, both sort of type A driven personalities, and uh, we tend to compete. And there's a good part to that. That's actually one of my strength finders is competition. There's a good part to that. There's a pretty broken place that can go. When I see my marriage as a place where I want to, when you, when you get to this place, I want to one-up my spouse, just stop, right? You know you're heading towards an unhealthy place. A lot of us go there. We fix, we compete. And then the third one is this, control. And this, this would have been a big issue in the first century. In a very patriarchal, male-dominated society, there would have been a strong idea that the men were meant to control the women. The, slave, the owner was meant to control the slave. And the idea of submitting or being subject to totally turns that on its head. That instead of seeing the other person as someone I control, I own, I fix, I begin to look at them and try and see how God has made them. How God has wired them, that royal piece of them or pieces of them. And I see how I can make it more and more true. There's a cool story in the Old Testament, 1 Samuel 18. It's a story of David and Jonathan. If you know much of the, the story of David, Jonathan was his best friend. And Jonathan is the son of um, Saul and Jonathan is a prince. He's, he's royal. So listen to the, the first four verses of this. After David had finished talking with Saul, Saul's the king, he met Jonathan. So Jonathan is the king's son. And at this point, David is nothing. He's just, he's a shepherd. He said, there is, immediate, there is an immediate bond between them, for Jonathan loved David. We can learn a ton from this story. From that day on, Saul kept David, David with him and wouldn't let him return home. And Jonathan made the, made, sealed the pact by taking, listen, by taking off his robe, royal garment, by taking off his robe and giving it to David together with his tunic, sword, bow, and belt. It's this amazing story of, of not only seeing the divine, seeing the royal in the other, but actually giving away some of yours so that that relationship can become all that it's supposed to be, laying, literally laying it down for the sake of the other. So submit, see the royal spark in that other person. Submit to one another. And here's the reason why. This is important. Out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Literally out of fear of the king. You don't need me to say it, but in the first century, fear of the king made a lot of sense. Your life and possibly your death was dependent on how much the king liked you. But yet Jesus is a very different king, right? The word Christ should be translated king. That's why we're saying that. Out of reverence for the king, you begin to look at one another in the different way. So this king, this King Jesus, very different from Caesar, he's a little less concerned about how they view him and more concerned that they see each other as people made by this king. 
that they see the royal in the other and they begin to do something about it. It's a different type of kingdom and citizenship and it looks differently. We're not tearing down, we're not competing, we're not fixing, we're seeing the good, the royal, and we're trying to make it more and more true. And this is the story of the whole book of Ephesians. The first three chapters of Ephesians, of Ephesians are all about their relationship to God. That there is this amazing God who came and died for our sins and rose again. It is completely by grace. Completely by grace. We cannot earn it. We cannot do a thing for it. That we can have a trusting relationship with God through Jesus Christ. But in the first couple chapters, it also said because of that, the wall that used to exist between Jew and Gentile in Galatians 3, Paul would say it this way, that because of Christ, in Christ, there is no Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. That the barriers that used to exist because Jesus is now king no longer exist. And the way you view each other is not through ethnicity, not through which gender you are, not through where you work and what you do. It is now seen as submitting to Jesus Christ as king. It changes everything. Listen to the verse again. Therefore, and further, submit to one another, be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. I think it, probably the best little definition of submit is to see the divine spark in the other, in your spouse, in the person you're dating, in your fiance, in your friend, in your employee to see that in the other and help it become more and more and more true. That means we have to get past some of those broken places. Stop worrying about fixing. Stop worrying about changing. Stop worrying about competing. Stop controlling. And see how God has made the other person and try with God to help that become more and more true. So let me leave you with two questions, really practical. But th this is so important to me. This is so important. First question is this. How do you see the others in your life? Specifically your spouse, your fiance, whatever it is. How do you see the others in your life? And this is tough because we live in a society where we sort of think everybody owes us something, we're expecting something. I have a friend who was talking about that, that often you'll get together with someone and maybe you treat them to lunch and the Linus thinks, I owe you. And my friend Mike says every time, he says, no, you don't owe me anything, we're just friends. But we have to change the way in which we see people, that we see the world, that we expect relationships to happen. How do you see others in your life? Do you see that divine, that royal image spark in them? It's tough. Remember a couple of years ago, uh, Genesis had a dance recital, and I think it was at New Prague High School. And uh, I had this moment of walking in, and I mean, it was huge. It was just hundreds of little girls, and you, you walk into this massive lunchroom. And I had this image quickly go into my mind of remembering the lunchroom, right? Remembering the cafeteria and this group sat here and this group sat here and this group sat here and it was all about barriers and divisions. 
how you named and judged and controlled and had power over. The kingdom of God is so different, my friends. How you see others changes everything. And here's the second question. How are you, how am I, helping the divine spark, the royal image, become more true? It's intriguing. Verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And that's everybody. That starts the next paragraph, guys. So we see each other in a different way. And Paul goes on to say, wives, submit to your husbands. Which is intriguing because I think that Paul is like, women sort of get this, right? Gals, you are better at this than we men are. So he's like, women, you get it, but I just want to say it again. I want you to hear it. Now, guys, here it is. You're the head of the house just as Christ is the head of the church. And that has nothing to do with authority or lordship or power. You look at what it means for Christ to be the head of the church and it's all about submission and servitude. And so Paul goes on to describe what it really looks like and he says, and listen guys, this will change your marriage. That's why this is such hard work. Women submit, you get it. Guys, be willing to die for your wife. You want to talk what it means to be, submiss- to be in a relationship of mutual submission? Be willing to die. Be so focused and intense on the divine image in your spouse becoming more and more true that you would be willing to die to make it happen. Women, do you get it? You're doing a good job. Guys, we need to get it together. So I want to leave all of us. Because I think this applies to more of marriage. So if you're single, if you're dating, whatever it is, this was not meant to leave you out. I want to leave you with one practice entering into the next week. And has two steps. The first is this, especially in your marriage, look at your spouse and find one, just one spark. And there's a lot of different ways that we're made in in the image of God. But just find one find a past passion, find something they care about, something that makes their heart beat in a different way, a way that they're gifted or wired. Find one this coming week. If you've got to write it down right now, write it down. Find one. Then here's the follow-up. Just affirm it. First step, just affirm it. To be subject to is to see the divine spark. Find one part of it, one passion, one gifting, and write a note, say a word, do something to encourage it this week. And see how your relationship begins to change. Jesus, this... is tough. Marriage is good. It is your idea. It's a gift from you. But as broken, sinful people, on the road to redemption, yes, but broken people, it is so tough, God. So Lord, I pray that we would get, that we would get the passage right before this where where it talks about 
being filled with the Holy Spirit, that this type of act, mutually submitting, mutually seeing how you have made and wired and being for that, that that's only done when we are people who are filled by your Spirit, controlled by you. So we submit to that first so that we can live in the place of seeing each other differently. In your name, amen.